We're excited that you made time to worship with us this morning, and we just are trusting and believing that God is going to meet you right where you're at. Today we have, uh, it is my privilege to do uh, part three of our series entitled Love Handles. Week one, uh, we talked about getting the heart right, talked about making sure our heart uh, is, is healed, and uh, I believe we got there in Jesus' name. And last week, Pastor Israel did an incredible job of taking us through uh, seeing ourselves in in God's eyes uh, to know that he loves me. He loves me. Amen. Um, So I want to build off of that and talk about where do we go next? Where do we go next in in love handles? Um, Where do we go? And it is going to be talking about what 1 John uh, tells us, that we're able to love because he loved us. Amen? We're able to love because he loved us. And I want to take you through uh, what God has placed in my heart for you today and just share that with you. uh, And hopefully um, we leave this place better than what we came in. Amen? One of my favorite verses of love is is found in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians has six chapters and Paul is writing to the church. And and uh, he, he's given some great biblical truths, Galatians 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And then as he draws to, to the conclusion of this, um, he says, oh, oh, by the way, it's like he's saying this. And he said, I know I've told you a lot. I know I've shared a whole lot. But Galatians 5, 6, he says this, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts. So... Anytime you see that, it just jumps at you. You just want to hit the pause button and and really soak in what God's word is telling us. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's not enough to just have faith. But it's faith expressing itself through love. As faith grows, it expresses itself. And I just want to be very candid and honest and say the church hasn't always got this right. Uh, many of the times in our dogmatic approach of trying to, to teach, um, we can get so stuck up in an argumentative p- point of view where we're just trying to, to, to speak what, what we believe can be the truth. But in the reality, we hurt a lot of people along the way. And many of us in this place maybe have been on the receiving end of that. Uh, and the Bible cautions us. The Bible tells us to be careful with this because can I share a truth with you that we can't antagonize and influence at the same time. We can't antagonize and influence at the same time. Someone put it this way, I can't win my enemies to Christ. So the important, the important takeaway for me is don't have any enemies. God has called us, the truth is, as his children, God has called us to influence. But we won't be able to influence anyone if nobody likes us. Amen? We won't be able to influence anyone if nobody likes us. And Jesus was the epitome of this because Jesus was not very confrontational uh, to to the people that would come to him. He he confronted the religious folks, no doubt. and confrontational to them without, without any uncertainty. But Jesus says this in John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men 
will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus chose the distinguishing feature of Christianity not to be in how I look, but he chose it to be if I love one another. Not how much I know, not how much I, I dive deep into God's word. That's important, no doubt. But he said it this way. They'll know that you're my disciple, that you love one another. Not how much you know. He went deeper than that. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. That it is my calling. It is your calling to show God's love to all people. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 in the Living Bible says it, Let love be your greatest aim. Let love be your greatest aim. And today I want to help you with this. And I want to share some principles that are found in, in probably one of the most famous love texts from all the Bible. And we're going to look at it verse by verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you've been to a wedding um, I'm sure you've heard this scripture, uh, and we're going to go through this uh, verse by verse and just look at what it says. So, but I want to share a few principles. The first thing is this. Without love, all I say is ineffective. Without love, all I say is ineffective. And you may say, my words don't matter anymore if they're not coming out in love. If they're not coming out in love. How I'm saying it and how I'm conveying it. What am I speaking? What, are, what words are, am I letting come out of my mouth? I talked to you about the, the, the church and, and not always getting it right in a dogmatic way. I, I, I heard up the story of a pastor who absolutely loved to just, uh, just belittle the people. And, and I'll tell you that that obviously is not something that I stand for. The pastor had maybe like five, ten members. And, and so much that when a guest speaker came in, he asked him, he just said, hey, can you just get on to the people? And can you get on to the people? And it was just, it, it was very, um, it, it, the story was told to me by, by another pastor friend. And he said that, that when the, this guest speaker was preaching, the pastor was just rejoicing in his seat saying, oh, my soul is rejoicing. And I was like, where did we get it wrong? Without love, all I say is ineffective because my words don't matter if they're not coming out in love. And you may say, but I'm right. And yes, you may be right. But can I tell you that no one likes hearing it come out that way. We can be right and we can still be wrong if we're not expressing it in love. It's, can I tell you it's not about winning arguments. It's about winning hearts for Jesus. It's not about winning arguments. It's about winning hearts. This is important because we live in such a toxic critical, vulgar, opinionated culture where everyone has something to say about everybody or everyone has something to say about something. And I, I just want to tell you that can the change start with us? Can the change start with us that we're not going to get involved in the critical and being so critical of everybody? We're not going to do that. No, we're going to speak in love. Does it mean that we agree with everyone? No. It, it, does it mean that we, we deviate from what God's word says? Absolutely not. We, we can stand on God's word and still speak and express it in love. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 says this, but if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, in other words, I can be the smartest, I can be the most eloquent, the most influential person in the room, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Imagine hearing that time and time again. Again, I'll say we live in a culture of glorified opinion that social media feeds, that the political world feeds, and it's just gotten to the point, and I've, sa- I've shared this with you before, that if you don't agree with me, it's not that we just, we just disagree. No, it's now that I hate you. And, and we have evolved into something that is totally opposite of what God's word tells us to. The only thing that God has called us to be is to show his love. God has called us, he said, by this you'll know, you're my disciples. That's not who God called us to be, so let it start with us. Does it mean that we, I'll share this again, does it mean that we agree with everyone? Does it mean that we don't stand up for what is clearly stated in the Bible, but it just means that we do so in a loving manner, amen? Ephesians 4.15 says this, we will speak the truth, this is not in your notes, in love, Growing in every way more and more like Christ. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. No, but let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I got to ask myself, am I putting my words through this filter? Because everything that comes out of my mouth is either building someone up or it's tearing someone down. And the Bible tells me, don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement. So without love, all I say is ineffective. Here's the second thing. Without love, all I say or all I know is insignificant. You've heard the saying, they don't, know how, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 2 tells us this, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledges. So imagine being that intelligent uh, that you're like, I know I can, there's no mystery to me. I know everything. I, I know I have all the knowledge in this world, but the Bible says, but I don't love. Without love, it's insignificant. Without love, it doesn't matter. The third thing is this. Without love, all I believe is insufficient. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what I believe of God. Can I tell you, the devil believes. The devil believes, but I have to attach some behavior with that belief. I have to attach some behavior with that belief that my belief that the way I act has to be able to coincide. It has to correlate. It has to be parallel with what God's word says. 1 Corinthians 13, 2 says this. If I have faith that can move mountains but do not love, I have nothing. I have nothing. Without love, all I believe is insufficient. Here's the next thing. Without love, all I give is incomplete. Without love, all I give is incomplete. Giving is important, don't get me wrong, but it's not just about giving, but am I giving in love? 
And my, when I give of my time, when I give of my resources, it's how I give. It's how I give. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor, but without love, it's incomplete. Final thing is this. Without love, all I give is inadequate. All I accomplish, should I say, is inadequate. Because a lot of people value accomplishment. And I think we could all agree that accomplishment is important. But watch what the Bible tells us. If I give, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, if I give over my body to hardship that I may boast. In other words, that I, that I could get a big head, but I do not have love. I gain nothing. I work for, for, us to, for me to look at myself in the mirror and just say, I work very hard to accomplish a lot, but I'm just going through the motions. Without love, I've gained nothing. And then 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8, we'll, we'll just finalize this. Love is patient. What, what does the Bible say? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I know everybody's like, man, that's pretty tough to do. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Read that last line with me. Love never fails. How would my life be different? If I read that every morning before I started my day, how would your life be different if you read that every morning before we started our day? The other day, I, I've shared with you my, my shortcomings. I have many, uh, but I, I, um, I, I don't like when people honk at me. I don't like when people honk at me. I, it doesn't, I forget what city I'm in. I'll do it in Houston. I know that's not the, the best thing to do. Um, but when people honk at me, I, I feel like I need to honk back and just wave. I, I promise I'll wave with all five fingers. Um, but but that, that's something that God's working on me. Truly, I'm, oh, man. Um, and then you honk with your Impact City sticker, right? <laughs> If you're honking at people, make sure you take that off. No, but the truth is that, that we all need to be better. And I'll just tell you, the other day, I really got convicted because I was, I'm the first one to go at it. And Desiree's always slapping my hand saying, don't, you don't know who's in that vehicle. I know I don't, but I know they honked at me. Um, but the other day, I really stopped myself and I, I just have to be better. I have to be better. So I read this verse and that, that's what came to mind. I just challenged myself deep down on the inside and said, love is patient. Love is, love is kind. Am I responding in a loving manner? When, when your spouse gets on to you, are you responding in a loving manner? How would my life be different if I read that every morning before I started? And what would happen if we made the choice to love well? Every day. How would your life be different? The life of Daniel stands out in this regard to me. The life, Daniel's, 
in the Old Testament, very polite. He's respectful. He stands firm on the truth. But yet he's influential and he's helpful. So in other words, he has his convictions. and He doesn't get away from those. He stands on them. But yet he has influence. And he's loved. And he's admired. Look what Daniel 6, 1 through 5 says. It pleased Darius. Darius is the king to appoint 120 satraps. These are provincial governors that were just in charge of a certain region in the ancient Persian Empire. To rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. Okay, so you have 120 people and you have three over those that are supervising. One of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So this is Daniel has some exceptional qualities that now the king is saying, you know what, this is something admirable here. At this, the administrators and the satraps, so all these people, they try to conspire against Daniel, try to find something wrong. They try to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. So here they are just trying to dig up some trash on this guy and look for something negative on Daniel, but they were unable to do so. They found no corruption in him because he was trustworthy And neither corrupt nor negligent, finally these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. And can I tell you that what I see in the life of Daniel is something that each of us can go after. He had some exceptional qualities. It's not saying skills. It's not abilities. It's not his talents. Some of us in this place, starting with the guy talking to you, can't can't sing to save our lives. I didn't have any choice in that. I wish I could sing, but I can't. I can't control that, but I can control some qualities in how I love. I can control in how I love. I can't control skills. I'll say it one more time. I can't control my talents. I can't control my abilities, but I can control my attitude. I can control how I love you. I can control how I act. And I can control in how I carry myself. I, I can't control how somebody treats me, but I can control how I respond to them. And let the change start with us. Let the change start with us. So how can we do this? How can we do this? There's three things that I want to share with you. Shared some principles, now just sharing some takeaways. How can I live this out day in and day out? The first thing is this. Serve those. Serve them. Can I figure out a way to serve people around me? Can I find a way to serve those around me? Can I find someone who needs something that I can fill that need and then be able to show God's love through doing that? Maybe that's getting a napkin for somebody that needs a napkin at, a, at the restaurant that can't get up or that has difficulty getting up. And you just go and you share God's love. By, by just giving them a napkin, it can be something that easy. How can I help? 
You could ask yourself the question, how can I serve you? It is, it is the privilege of our life. I tell the dream team day in and day out that we don't got to do anything that we get to do this. That serving God and serving his people is the greatest honor that we have. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says this. Look, Paul is writing. He says, though I am free and I belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. To win as many as possible. Why, Paul? Because I just want to win somebody. And you can say, yeah, but I know the truth and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him. I'm going to tell her they're wrong. I'm gonna. We live in a culture that, that has glorified this. But Paul said, nope, I'm, I'm going to win as many as possible. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew this. And I'll say it this way, Jesus connected before he corrected. Jesus connected before he corrected. Bible tells us that there was this, the, a thief, he was a tax collector, his name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And the Bible tells us that he hears that Jesus is coming into town. And you know what he does? He, he can't see Jesus because all the crowd is around. So he climbs up on the tree. And Jesus, knowing everything, could have easily called him out and could have easily said, you're wrong. You're stealing from people. You're overcharging people. No, but you know what he said? He said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Let's go share a meal together. I'm on my way to Texas Roadhouse. They shared a meal together. I don't know what happened in that conversation. I don't know what happened as they conversed. I don't know what happened. But I do know that Zacchaeus came out of that meeting changed and started giving back to the people he had taken from and giving even more from. Why? Because Jesus didn't immediately rebuke him. He connected with him. He founded some common ground and said, you know what, Zacchaeus, yeah, I, we don't know what happened, but what we do know that there was a change. I'm telling you that God has given us that type of influence, he, that, that type of love that we can share with others, that, that we can say, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's go have a cup of coffee and just connect with somebody before we just jump into telling them they're wrong. Jesus connected before he corrected. He changed. Just connect with those around you. Okay. Is there a way that we can serve the people that you walk through this life with? The second thing is this, to set an example for them. This can scare some of us because what, what, what takes place is we look at our lives. And, and I know some of us in this place are thinking I'm not a good example. And the truth is that none of us in this room are perfect. The Bible calls it the process of sanctification, of being more like him day in and day out. And while we are not perfect, can I also tell you, we're, not, we're also not what we used to be. Are you grateful for the small wins this morning? I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not where I used to be. 
So I want to encourage someone today that, that looks at your life because only you know the thoughts you're thinking right now. And I'm not a good example. Well, I want to encourage you. Let's, let's go deeper in God together. And watch how God will change us from the inside out. Come to church. Get involved. Surround yourself with people who are going to speak life into you. Surround yourself with people who will build you up. Join the dream, dream team. Let God do a work on the inside of you. And let's just see what God does. Let's just see what God does. Be a person that, that we can be the change. We can be the person who gets to the office when the weather is not the best and walk in saying rainy days and Mondays don't get me down. You can walk in with a smile and with Southern made donuts and I promise you someone's going to leave that place better than It's just our response. It's just our response. But that's why you can have two different types, two people experiencing the exact same thing, but walk, around, walk away with two different perspectives. Can we be the change? Can we be the change? Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. Jesus is talking to, to us. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. That is who God has called us to be. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The greatest influence we can have on our world is how we live our lives. The greatest influence we can have on our world is how we live our lives. It doesn't mean that it has to be perfect. But we can show God's love daily. So we serve those around us. We're the salts of the earth and the light of the world. And the final thing is this, drawn to a close. We, we share Christ. We serve. We set an example. We share. We share Christ. First Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Revere Christ as Lord. Go, with that saying in a nutshell, go ahead and Fall in love with Jesus. Respect him as your savior. And then this is what it says. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You just talk about why you love Jesus so much. Talk about your personal experience. But do this with gentleness. This is what the Bible says. Do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You, you, let, you let God do the work. You let God do the work. It's how we live. 
came across a, a quote from St. Francis of Assisi who said, Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Why? Because how I act is more important than what I say. How I act is more important than what I say. And for some of us in this place, you're saying that's the problem. It's how I act. It's how I act. And for you, I just want to say let God do a work on the inside of us. For some of us in this place, that's you say, I can't help the way I act. I want to tell you, if you try really hard to act better, you won't get very far. If you try to act better, you won't get very far. But when you grab hold of the love of God, when you grab hold of the love of God and you experience it for yourself, capacity to love others happens when I experience his love. First John, I, t- I said it from the very beginning. We love, the Bible says, because he first loved us. So when I receive the love of God, a miracle takes place. A miracle takes place. And I want to tell you that this message is not intended to be a self-help. Uh, it's, it's not intended to pump you up. To, it's not intended to tell you to get to be better, to get better. No, it's intended to lead us to the only one that can truly change our lives. And that when we experience his love, the ability to love others comes as a result of it. I can love because he first loved me. I love the way Paul put it in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were still sinners... God demonstrated his love. He didn't tell us of his love. No, he showed his love. He showed his love and sent Christ to die for our sins. He didn't say, wait, have they made up their minds about me? No, while we were still sinners, while we were still making bad choices and and still hung out and, and still in situations that we shouldn't have been, still battling with, with depression and still battling with bad choices and still battling in all these areas. No, while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love for us and he sent Christ to die for my sins. He didn't tell the world that he loved them. He showed the world that he loved And I want to tell you that you may not be able to change on your own. And none of us can, but, but he is here. And he can do a miracle on the inside. That can change our hearts. He demonstrated his love while we were still sinners. He died for us. Father, I'm so grateful today. Father, we thank you today for this great love. This great love that sometimes we feel is too good to be true. But I thank you that your word tells us 
that you love us with a crazy love, with a relentless love. I thank you today that you showed your love on Calvary's cross. And because of that, being a recipient of the greatest love this world could ever imagine, I, in turn, am able to love. God, for everyone in this place that feels disconnected right in the middle of that process, God, that you would meet them right where they're at. God, I thank you for the ability that you give us in you to be able to show your love. And I just pray, God, that we would be able to serve, to be an example, and to share your love with those around us. That we would take you at your word in every aspect, in every way. Right now, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for doing what only you can do. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, maybe in this place you're here and the first step for you is just to accept Jesus. You've never opened your heart and let him in. He stands at the door, the Bible tells us, he stands at the door and knocks. He says, if anyone would hear my voice and open the door, it's up to you and I to open the door. He said, I will come in. And if that's you in this place today, I I don't want to close today's service without giving you an opportunity to say, I want to receive the greatest love known to man. I want to give my heart to Jesus. If that is you, every head is bowed, every eye closed. I just want to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. You don't have to come up to the altar. I see you. I see you don't have to come up, but right where you're at. I want to invite everyone at the sound of my voice to just, would you pray with me right now? Pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your indescribable love. I open my heart. I invite you to come in. Be the Lord of my life. I confess you as Savior. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as King. Let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we, can we thank God for everyone that accepted him today? God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to invite you to stand. As we enter a moment of worship, maybe there's something weighing on your heart. Maybe there's something that you've been asking God for. Maybe you have prayer requests that you've outlined before him and you say, God, I just need you in my life. I need you in my family. I need you to move in my mind, in my heart. Whatever your need may be, can I just encourage you today that God is able that God is able, he is faithful in every situation and in every circumstance, and he wants to remind you 
that he's with you. So if, if that is you, we want to open this altar and just have a moment of prayer. We want to pray with you and for you. Whatever it is that's weighing you down, whatever it is that's causing you to stay up at night, you can bring it to God and leave it at his feet. So, Father, right now, in this moment, in this moment, God, we just thank you. We thank you that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy in the time of need. God, some of us, our hearts are hurting. Some of us, our families are in chaos. Some of us, our finances are in ruins. Some of us, our faith is dwindling. God, you know it all. You know every detail better than what we could ever explain. So right now, God, every situation we bring and we lay at your feet. Some of us in here, our bodies have been affected by sickness. Some of us in this place today, our minds have been attacked by anxiety and by depression. Whatever the situation is, God, I know that you're able. And I just pray that you would do what only you can do, God. I thank you for healing. I thank you for miracles. I thank you for doors opening. I thank you, God, for doing the work that only you can do. So right now we lay our burdens at your feet. We lay it at your feet and we trust you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.